Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, hola, mi gente. I'm Jessica Yanez, and this is the Wine and Chisme podcast. A podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from BIPOC communities doing remarkable things. All while sipping on a glass of wine. So welcome to your new Wednesday. The Wine and Chisme Wednesday. Hola, hola, mi gente. Okay, I'm not going to lie. Ahead of time, I already told my guest this might get emotional because I have Chilisa Prado, founder and CEO of Rizos Curls, as my guest today. And I am over the moon. Welcome to the Wine and Cheese Med podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here today with you. I am so excited because... Hair is emotional, at least for me. I think a lot of us, right? Hair is hair is emotional. And I grew up in a time where we didn't have a lot of resources for curly hair. I actually posted a reel like ahead of time just to show my curly hair journey in the honor of this interview. I did it to the song, Isn't She Lovely by Stevie Wonder. Classic. Because growing up, I never felt lovely because of my hair. So that's why I said this might get emotional. (laughs) So before we get into that, let me read Julissa's bio. Born and raised in Los Angeles, California, Julissa Prado is the founder and CEO of Rizos Curls, a clean hair care line aimed at embracing and celebrating the beauty of curls, coils, and waves everywhere. After years of making her own curly cocktail and being the curl whisperer within her community, Julissa decided to launch her own hair care line, Brizos Curls. The result is a line of products made with quality natural ingredients that works across a variety of curl hair textures. The brand has amassed a global following of of hashtag Rizos Reinas, becoming a favorite among the curly hair community, shipped to over 57 countries and available at Target, Ulta Beauty, and Sally Beauty Mexico. Ooh, and you've won awards, Cosmopolitan's 2021, the new C-suite winner. You were named Entrepreneur of the Year in the 2020 Beauty Independent. You are like in all of these things. You've done all, and you're just very creative in all of the things that you do. So girl, I'm so excited to have you here. But before we get fully, fully into the chisme, we always start with the wine. And I know you're not drinking, but you know, uh, I'm still at the office. That's why I'm like, uh, I can't be too tipsy for my thing after. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I, who would I be if I would, I wouldn't be a wine and cheese man if I didn't have wine in front of me and drinking. So I love it. Today I'm drinking in O Reserva. It's an organic rosé, 2020 rosé from the Valle de Rapel in Chile. Sounds I know. delicious. It was a gift. So 
Salud. You can salud with your wawa. <laughs> there's my sound effects. <laughs> I know you appreciate homemade things. <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> it's got a kick at the end. I don't know. I'm almost done with it. I always feel like sometimes organic wines, you have to get used to them. There's just something, you know, but it's okay. It's okay. I am such a big fan of yours. I don't, you probably don't remember this. We actually met once before, right before the pandemic. You look so familiar. I was about to say that. I, I feel like we've met in person. I think I remember, I was going to ask if you were um, at one of the events like in 2019 or early 2020. Were you at the summit? Yes, I was at the summit. Okay. With okay, Anna, right, when right. Anna was um, interviewing you. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, now I remember exactly. Yes, and which is so yeah. crazy because now, you know, I've become friends with Anna because of everything with Real Grow Amigas and just being part of this huge community, which I'm not going to lie because I'm a super extroverted person. That just kind of saved my life. I don't think without the, that community, I would have survived that time emotionally, maybe even physically, but emotionally for sure. Cried more than once. And apparently I've just found my inner Yorona and I look at the time for anything. I'm here for it. <laughs> I'm such a, such a huge fan because I'm a curly girl. I'm, you know, a little bit older. I'm 44. And like I said, growing up did not have these products did not have, oh my gosh, surviving haircut after haircut of people who don't know how to do their hair. But I want to hear like your curly hair story from when you were little, because I know, and I'll share, I will share like the things that I was called, even a song that my dad apparently that my dad had for me and everything. But I want to hear how your curly hair journey began and how you felt about your hair when you were young. So I'm like, I've, I've always been kind of like a really happy kid. Like I've, I'm, I'm Pisces and we're like our biggest stereotype for us is like, we're this fish that's like, what reality are you? Like we're in our own bubble. Like it's like the world is falling apart around us and we're just like distracted in our own little world, like freaking playing with a flower. And then the Scorpio comes in and is like, wake up, we gotta move, you know? And that was kind of my relationship with my brother. My brother's a Scorpio. He always felt like there were so many situations that I like will look back and be, and I'll be like, that was so fun. I had the best time. It was, we were playing games and he's like, you don't remember when I saved your life? This and this <laughs> happened and this and this. And like, so like that has been honestly like the epitome of our relationship for a lot of things. So I think that a lot of like negative situations, I am the epitome of like selectively remembering <laughs> things and like only remembering like not funner parts of it. But um, yeah, growing up had really curly hair and my mom is a really strong Gemini woman who she is so proud and so like no one will ever see me weak, la la la. So I remember when I was like little, a lot of people with, you know, anything that's different on their body would get like bullied or people would try to make fun of me. And my mom was like, what? They're jealous of you or whatever. So when I was little, actually, a lot of the kids would be like, call me Afropuff. They would call me Poofball. They would call me like all these names because my hair was just like, I had massive hair. And back then it was like a lot bigger and a lot curlier and a lot frizzier. And it was just like, 
my mom didn't really know what to do with it. So she would just kind of let me be. And I was like a small kid, but my hair was just huge. So I would, they would call me cousin it too. Like, I don't even know cousin it, like yeah. it's all hair and like they're still person. They would call me yes. So anyways, um, it's really funny because when I was in second grade, there was this like competition where like all the kids had to write their own book and whoever's book one would actually get like written, like kind of pu- not published, but like would they would make it into look like a real book. And then they would have to read it for like the whole school. My book was called Mi Pelo. And then it was pretty much the book. I was talking mess about everybody else's hair. Like I pretty much put my bullies into the book and I was like making fun of them. And I was like, her hair is so boring. It looks the same every day. And it was just like such a hater book. But then on my my part, it was like, pero mi pelo, mi pelo es una aventura. It was in Spanish. I don't Spanish back then. Like, mi pelo es una aventura. Mi pelo me protege contra ataques de los niños. And it was like a kid throwing a ball in my head. Like <laughs> your own helmet. <laughs> yeah. Like me having a helmet. So I, my book ended up winning. And I just remember like reading that book and like cracking up because it was, you know, that's kind of like how I always lived my life of growing up of like people would be haters. I'd be like, ha ha ha. Like, I don't know, just kind of have fun with it and um, figure out a way to be confident about it. Oh my gosh. I love hearing that. I, but I totally relate to that. I was called fro. My mom, for some reason, talked me into cutting my hair when I was in eighth grade. And I actually found that picture. It's in that reel that I was telling you about that. I created this reel in in honor of everything for like the next year and a half, the football players would call me fro because I was a cheerleader. So they would jog by fro, fro. Kids were so cruel. Kids are so cruel. Like they just want to find whatever they think is your weakest link. And when they know it, they just keep going at it. So I admire you for not letting that be your weakest because it really was mine. Like I feel like so many people, especially when you're young, you don't want to feel different. Yeah. Right? And that goes to every, there's so many different things. You want to feel like you fit in. You don't want to be picked on. You don't want to be all of that. Were you still in like high school and everything when you started making? Because what were you finding? Because yeah. I, like I said, I nothing would work on my hair. It would, I would use mousse and it would get like I just I just remember. And then I lived in that time like late eighties, early nineties, where it's like Aquanet galore. And <laughs> girl, I could show you some pictures. <laughs> yeah, but like so- how? What was your process? And then how did you decide? You know what? I'm going to start making my own stuff. Yeah. So I, as soon as like my mom let me straighten my hair, I was addicted to the straightener. Like I was straightening my hair starting. I think the first time I ever got my hair straightened was in fifth grade. And I got so many compliments. Like, I mean, I felt like I was the most popular person in the whole world. Like it was so many compliments. People that have never given a compliment before were just like, wow, you're so beautiful. And I'm just like, it's the same me. My hair is just straight. So I feel like that kind of put my mind of like, I love the compliments. I'm not going to do my hair girly. I want it straight all the time because I want to keep getting all these compliments and I feel pretty. And I feel like people are telling me like, you know, they think I, they actually like how I look. So I was in fifth grade. And after that, I just, I remember just being addicted to straightening my hair. 
So I pretty much was straightening my hair most of my life. And then in high school, I was always, always um, was very drawn to hair. And I was always very good at doing hair, like, and growing up, my little side hustle was like, I would style people's hair. So when I was a freshman, the seniors had like prom or homecoming, I would get booked to do their hair. My brother was a senior, like my cousin, a bunch, most of my cousins were seniors too. So that's kind of like how they would find out and I would do their hair, et cetera. Whatever they would ask me, like I would do it. So when I wanted to learn how to wear my own hair natural, it came from the majority of the people that I was styling their hair already, like as part of like my little side gig, they all had textured hair. Like they all had either like wavy, curly, coily hair. And it came from like just wanting to learn how to do another skill, part of like kind of like a job that I was already doing. So I was like, okay, let me try to figure out how to do my own hair. And I tried a bunch of stuff and like, it was like a, at least a, a couple of year process, few years where I was not liking what was out there. I didn't like the ingredients, et cetera. And then I just kind of tried to make my own concoctions. And to me, I grew up something that I feel like is very Latino, especially immigrant Latino is turning to natural to kind of care for you, or you have these remedies that are passed on through generations, or you just have like all of these um, really cool, like learnings about how to care for yourself. And a lot of them are based on like the natural, natural ingredients, et cetera. So I grew up in this kind of household where it was more normal to make my own tea, like go pool an herb and make this, like if my hands are dry, like I would go get okay, sugar and lemon and oil. And I would mix it up and make my own little hand scrub, et cetera. So I was very normal to me to go make my own concoctions. And I did. And then I started wearing my hair natural and people already knew me for doing hair. So then they would start asking me to do their hair. And then I would just come into contact with so many other people that like me hated their hair and were straining their hair I would do their hair for the first time and they would love it naturally. And it was just such a special moment because first step to loving myself fully was like learning to love the thing I hated most about me, which was my hair. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that was the same for so many of these people that I was meeting. I call undercover curlies, like people that you would never know had curly hair because um, they would straighten it. And I really got addicted to that feeling. And I really got like, it just felt so fulfilling, um, helping somebody even slightly, even having a small role in that per in that person's journey. What was the first concoction that you put together that you actually liked that you're like, Ooh, I'm going to start using this. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was just like such a variety of different things, but like I would put different oils and then for like the holes, I would use flax seeds for scalp care. I would use a lot of aloe vera. How like, did you and- figure out what was like were you just- a lot of trial and error. And especially back then there was like, now you go on the internet and there's just like so much information, right. so much research on like DIY options or like what ingredients, literally there's like a plethora of just YouTube's by even that like of people that have already done all of this trial and error for you. And back then there was literally nothing <laughs> like there was like, that didn't exist. It was like 2003, 2004, you know, it was just like a different world. And also clean beauty wasn't a thing back then. The products that were out there were very limited. And what was out there, a lot of it was not clean. A lot of it was very damaging. And it was just like a whole different world out there. And for me, it was just my grandmother, my mom's mom that I grew up with, she 
was truly such like a healer. She was the closest thing that her whole town had to a doctor. And like, I will remember growing up and seeing everybody always come to her for, there was like a cough. She would come and like make concoctions out of things. And it was like, she just knew. And for whatever reason, like she was just, she just had such a gift in like understanding these ingredients and how things work together. She even helped birth like all the women in the town when they would have give birth like she was the one that would go and like help them like kind of like midwife or through or doula through yeah. this process so she was just really special and I don't I mean I'm definitely not I probably have like a, if I even have like a, a one hair strand of what she was capable of doing like that's talent right there but I've always naturally been very good at just like understanding ingredients, understanding what works together. And I just have, I've always had a knack from it. And I think it's from watching her and growing up, learning from her and her explaining how different natural ingredients work together. You're right. Like nobody was talking about clean ingredients at that time. <laughs> no. I'm trying to think like, yeah, it was for me, I had around that time I was living in Dallas and it's so humid there. And I was straightening my hair all the time because I was like, if it's going to be frizzy, I'd rather be frizzy straight than frizzy curly because I'm going to look like Diana Ross by the end of the night. (laughs) Yeah. Which now I'm like, why wouldn't I want to look like Diana Ross? (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy how much when we look back to situations where we felt so confident about something, like that's that's the way it is. And we look back and you're like, why? Why did I think that way? Oh my, yes, totally. You eventually go to UCLA and we have an inside joke on the podcast that UCLA is the holy grail of Latino parents. Like their kids go to UCLA. They've made it. They've made it. Oh my gosh. That's it. It's the holy grail. (laughs) Right. When you went to school and you come out, you're making these concoctions and everything, but you didn't go to school to learn Never. about beauty, to learn about, see, this is how, you know, I watched like your stories. I pay attention to your social media. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? I, you would have thought I did, but I didn't. So what actually did you go to school for? And did you even think that you were going to, cause your parents were entrepreneurs? Well, yeah. Well, my, my dad had his own restaurant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and which I helped him with. That was going to be something you did. So since I was like 12 years old, 12, 13 years old, I was actually working at the, re- like my dad back then, he didn't speak any English. Like he never went to school. Like he was like a, a very first generation kind of like home of the parents. They didn't have that education like I did, et cetera. So I was the face of the restaurant. Like my dad focused on the cooking and then I would like that was my first experience, like running a business, managing teams, paying bills, like payroll, like um, getting creative, like marketing, making menus, doing this and this, making a website. Like there were so many skills that I learned that have helped me on my entrepreneurship journey that I did not realize I got just from being exposed to that so early on. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was already, I had it in me because I had been doing that since I was so young, but I don't know why I was just like, again, with my Pisces nature, like I always like to say that somebody's strength can also be their weakness. It just depends on how you use that quality. Right. So for me, I've always been kind of like simple minded. And what I mean by that is like, I 
oversimplify things. I don't think very deep into things. I'm so present sometimes that like, I forget to think about, like I have to now as an adult that I recognize that about myself, I purposely make myself think, take myself out of the present and look up and look around. And I'm like, okay, where are you? What's going on? What, what, how does it affect the future? Because I'm the epitome of like, I don't think that far ahead. I'm just like enjoying something at the moment. And I just like keep doing what I like at the moment. So back then I was more into like business, but more so like working at a corporate company or that route. And when I first went into college, actually, I wanted to be a lawyer. So I was like on that route for like pre-law or politics or something like that. That's funny. I actually work in politics now. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to like that. I actually in high school, I was a youth representative at city hall. So I was like that kid in high school that would like go to city hall and I would sit in with all these meetings with like the council members, this and that. And you know how each one has their own district. Yeah. And I was like the youth youth representative and I would, I was at city hall like every weekend. And it was just like such a different route than what I am now. Yes. Wine break. Time to refill that glass and come back for more wine and cheese mix. Now that spring is well underway, let's swap out the winter look with a spring refresh. Our friends at Ulta Beauty recommended a few of the following must-haves. Starting with the eyes, NYX Epic Smoke Vegan Eyeliner brings out your sultry eyes to the next level. This epic eyeliner goes on like eyeliner and blends out like smoke, and it comes in 12 daring shades. So you can play it safe with a neutral look or go hot with their adventurous shades. Next, check out Hourglass's Vanish Airbrush Primer. This is a translucent skin-perfecting primer that smooths skin, controls shine, and provides a blurred airbrush finish while extending makeup wear. Complete this spring refresh with Tres Luce Beauty Bold Yatrevida Liquid Lip Tint. Tres Luce's Lip Tint Hyaluronic Acid plumps lips up with immediate, long-lasting hydration. They also come in eight bold colors, which allow you to take on the day with a burst of color. But remember... This is only the beginning of your spring refresh, so head over to Ulta Beauty and shop now, in-store, or online for all your essential spring refresh looks. You actually did end up working in corporate America for a while. I did. So I went to UCLA and then I went to grad school for business. I got my my master's in business management and then in Wake Forest, North Carolina. And then while I was in school, I interned for PepsiCo. And then when I graduated, I worked at Nestle. And how long were you at Nestle? Almost four years. Yeah, so like three, around three years, three and a half years. What did you do while you were there? So I did a variety of roles. On my very first role, it was crazy how much responsibility I had like right out of college. But I managed a team of around like 13 sales reps. And I managed literally the distribution and also like calendars, like a promotional calendars and all of that for all billion dollar brands. Like I'm talking like Dryer's Ice Cream, Haagen-Dazs, DiGiorno Pizza. I did Nesquik at one point, Coffee Mate, all of these like huge brands. And like my little district that I managed, it was so ridiculous. It was almost like $20 million district that I managed like right out of the ballpark. And then my team was like 13 human beings. And it was just so, and they all drove trucks. They all drove like the big, like at least 24 foot trucks that they would like deliver the product to, like put it on the shelf and everything. So 
yeah, like that was like my very first position. And then my last position out of there, I was actually the account manager for a lot of these brands with the buy. And I would work directly with the buyers at the retailers. So like I was account manager. Oh my gosh. Literally every single thing that you have done has led you to what you're doing now. Yeah. Literally. I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. I know. I'm like listening to everything when you're talking about what you did at your dad's restaurant. And then when you're talking about your first job, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, no freaking wonder. Right. I had no idea. Like life. I'm a true believer that life and everything in the world, energy. It's like, we were all put on this earth to be happy. And like the world wants us to be happy. Like every living thing wants us to be happy. Like every plant, the sun, the moon, like everything wants us to be happy. And whenever we're feeling like maybe there's a lot of bad luck happening on our end, it's not necessarily bad luck. It's like, something's trying to pivot us, you know, something's trying to like move us, make us realize something and like guide us away from this route. That's not going to bring us the most happiness and try to like move us towards something that is going to bring us more happiness. And I think sometimes like we don't learn that lesson or maybe like we have a lesson that we need to learn to prepare us for that other route that is going to lead us to happiness later. But I genuinely believe that everything works together. And there is a purpose for everything that has been thrown at us. We just have to do a little digging to find it. No, I completely agree. And I, I mean, do I believe that random things happen? Yeah. I believe that there were sometimes random things that happen, but it's also how we decide to deal with it that can change the course of our lives. So what was the thing that made you pivot after being at Nestle for four years and Well, actually, before you answer that question, let me ask you during that time, especially when you first come out of college, did you ever have moments? Because I think it's so important sometimes when, even when we are in corporate, I know these moments happen as entrepreneurs where you're like, what the hell am I doing? How did I get here? How did somebody let me in the door to lead these people? And then how do you, if you did have those types of thoughts, how did you get yourself out of that? Every day, girl, every day I was like, what? All right, cool. Like (laughs) me. All right. Like, I feel like the epitome of my life is like fake it till you make it kind of thing. Fake it till you make it has been a mantra for my whole, like I have felt, I feel like my whole life has felt like an imposter syndrome of like me being in situations where I feel like I don't belong. I feel like who let me here, but my mom so I have this little story where like I was in, in third grade, I played Snow White in the school play and I was pretty, no, I was not good. Okay. I was like, whatever. But my mom's like my biggest hype woman. And she was convinced I was like an amazing actress. And she was just like, wow, you killed it. I even have a photo of her till this day where she was blocking all of the audience. She's right in the front with this big, huge, like camera recording me me playing Snow White. But like after I played Snow White in third grade at the school play, my mom thought I was like a freaking Academy Award-winning actress. Okay. She thought I was such a good Snow White. And whenever I would have these circumstances where I'm like, mom, like they're not gonna like me. Like I don't belong. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this. She'd be like, girl, do you remember how good you played Snow White? You are the best actress I have ever seen. If you don't think that's what you are, if you don't feel like you belong, just act. 
act like you do. Just act like you are as smart as them. Just act like you're belong there because nobody can act better than you. I saw how you played Snow White. You can convince anybody of anything. (laughs) So my whole life, I just remember getting into a lot of these situations where I felt like, bro, someone's going to blow my cover. I do not belong here. When are they going to find out? I'm not supposed to be here but you know what my mom said I'm a great actress because Snow White so I'm just gonna be an actress literally so much of my life I felt like it wasn't my life I felt like I was literally playing a role like I was acting in the play Julissa's life as a this as a that and I was just like ha, ha, ha. like it was almost like a like a funny fun activity <laughs> but it was my life and eventually like I would forget I was acting and I was really that person so That's kind of how I've been living a lot of my life and a lot of situations that have come my way. Can I just say, I just, it just makes me smile hearing that. You're just like, ha ha ha, I see your movement and everything. And you know, I think uh, mine has always been like, I'll figure it out. Uh, I don't know, I guess I'll figure it out. Oh, I don't know, I'll figure it out. You know, working at startups, you understand that. There's a lot that you still don't know. And then I've worked at a lot of nonprofit startups and stuff. And people are like, oh, we need to do this. Jessica, can you do it? And I'm like, uh, yeah, I guess sure. I'll figure it out. <laughs> You're like, I don't know how to do it yet, but sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I, and you know, I end up doing it, but yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome for sure is real <laughs> where you're like, what the hell? How did this happen? Wait, even now sometimes, cause I, I run whole communications for a council member of San Diego. And I'm like, you're giving me the responsibility to be your voice. What's wrong with this picture? (laughs) Totally. It's like, it's like some deep rooted imposter syndrome that like, I don't know how we get out of it, but like, I think till this day, you know, I'm sure everyone deals with it, but we all deal with it in different ways. It's just like, I kind of have fun with mine though. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to remember that. I mean, yeah, I, I acted in like church plays. But see, my parents were opposite. They weren't like, they weren't like, you're the greatest. And I played sports too. And so my biggest critic would be like my mom afterwards. I, why'd you miss that ball? I, did you hear me? I did it. And it was funny. Yeah. It's funny because my mom was like, she's kind of like, she is judgmental, but she, at the same time, she's just like, thinks I'm like the greatest in the whole world. Like the, that woman I have such high confidence because like my parents are obsessed with me. Like it's like, it's, <laughs> it's bad. Like it's almost like toxic. The I'm Mariah like, Carey song is running through my head right now. <laughs> my Why parents, so with me? they just think I'm just like God's gift to earth, you know? And I'm just like, y'all need to stop. Wait, how do they feel like, about your brother? Do they feel the same way? Oh, even more. Well, my, my dad, I'm one of the daddy's girl. And then my brother is more of like a mama's boy. And so my mom's is like obsessed. With, like they are just BFFs, you know? <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so going back, what was the thing that made you pivot when you're at Nestle and you're like, because you went straight from Nestle to starting Grisos, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was your pivot um, So this whole time, literally since high school, through college to grad school, through Nestle, through all of that, I was always still doing random people's hair on the side. Like I would meet these undercover curlies through that whole process. It was like at least 10 years of life in between that. I was always running into these undercover curlies 
And until this day, I have so many friends that I met because I did their hair. I randomly met them in an elevator. I randomly met them at a restaurant, in the bathroom, whatever. And I did their hair. They would come over to my place. I would go to their place. In the dorm rooms, I would hold little curl classes. Um, I remember I had like a work trip and I did somebody's hair in my freaking hotel room. Like I was just always meeting these people that needed help with their hair and I would help them. And it was just something I did on the side that I never- Did it always start with, oh, I love your hair. Yes. It always started with like, oh my God, I love your hair. You would never know this, but like, I have curly hair. They'll be like, I actually have curly hair. Like it was like this like dirty- Why is that not one of your commercials? (laughs) Right? I have dirty hair. Like it's literally like a dirty secret. Yeah, but like teach them and I would do their hair and and they would love it. So for me, it kind of like- me wanting to make my formulas professionally came more out of like convenience because I, it was really annoying for me keeping things in Ziploc bags. Like I would carry like lemons in my purse because I would use that for hold or shine sometimes. It would go bad if I kept it in my purse too long. I had to put it in the refrigerator. Like it was just annoying for my own hair. And then when I would do other people's hair too. So I mostly wanted it because of that. And so I remember like, when I first wanted to like invest some of my money into like going to a professional chemist and like working with them to make my formulas professionally, I told my brother about it because my whole life, my brother has always been the smartest person I know. He's only almost three years older than me, but you know, we would be like 10 years old. He's like 13. And I'm just like, wow, my brother's smartest person in the whole world. Like there's nobody smarter than my brother. You know, he, I always felt like that about him. So I went to my brother and I told him I wanted to do this and he was just, he did his own research. He went and like, he just like, you have to do this. It doesn't exist. And I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as like a business. I was mostly just like really wanting to create the solution for myself and the people that I saw around me. It was a four-year process actually making the farmers professional. I took, I went through like so many chemists. I went through multiple labs and I spent a lot of my own savings doing this. But eventually when I did land on that formula that I loved, I was just like obsessed with it. And I was so happy that it had taken me that long. And by that point, I had zero marketing dollars. I'd spent like literally my life savings on creating the formulas and getting the product. I just kind of like opened up the social medias and all those people that I had helped over like the decade that I had been doing hair and interacting with people, they all became my first customers. That's kind of like where my customers first came from. And then their testimonials when, you know, they first bought the product would be like, I don't know if you remember me, but like eight years ago at the UC student conference, you did my hair in the bathroom and I've been wearing my hair curly ever since. Like, of course I'm buying your product or whatever. There was like hundreds of these that first week. And then they became my very first, like really supporters of the brand. They were posting it. They were sharing it. And they were sending testimonials. They were sending photos. And it was just like really crazy and full circle moment when I did launch and I had seen all that support and just, and it wasn't even just support. It was like work that I had been doing for the past decade that I didn't realize was work, you know, but it was just like, came from my heart, but it was the best thing I could have done to like build a reputation and, and help out with my business eventually. So those four years, were you still working at Nestle or had you already, so you were doing it simultaneously? Yeah. So I never thought I was going to leave Nestle. Like I was was very happy there. 
I had a great job. I thought I had all these great benefits. I was like, I'm set. I'm here forever. And I felt like I just had a great salary. Like I was making like six figures. Like I thought I was on set. top of the world, you know? I had every intention to do both simultaneously, like run my business and then also run like a little side business. I thought it was going to be like, I come home from work and I do some orders on the side. That's just it. But it just didn't work out that way. <laughs> how did So how did you realize that you were like, okay, wait, I need to do this full time. So I kind of didn't even have an option. Like it got to the very quickly. It was, I began out growing like every space and it just felt like I had four full-time jobs or something. It was just like unsustainable for me to like do my job properly and also not, you know, disregard my business that was growing. So I had to quit. The moment that I was like, I had literally had no other choices because for Nestle, I would have had to travel. I think it was like, I was going to have to be gone for like two weeks or something for work. And I was like, bro, like I literally have this garage with like all my cousins, with like all my products. These orders are like piling up. I'm the one that like delivers everything, moves everything around. Like there's no way I could leave this for two weeks. So I had to quit. So what was the fear? Was there fear that came with that? Yeah, I was definitely super nervous, especially because, you know, my my parents, they thought like that was the American dream. Like they felt like I had already achieved. I had it set, you know, I had the benefits, I had the pension plan, I had, you know, a set study job. And everyone was just like, you have the best job in the world. Like you can even work from home. They even had a car for me. Like they just had really dope they treated me so good. And it was just a really hard decision because it wasn't like I was miserable at my job and I hated it. It wasn't that kind of situation. It was leaving something when it's good. And I feel like that also taught me a lesson about life, about how like things don't have to be bad for you to leave things. Things don't have to be bad for you to decide on something else that's going to grow you even more. Like I think sometimes we're like force ourselves to let things get so bad until we decide to leave things or decide they're not for us anymore, it just creates this toxic need to like be pushed out or forced out of something. And and it kind of taught me that, you know, you can leave happy and just know and be self-aware when something's run out of time, you know? Yeah. No, that's such an important lesson to, because I almost feel like people, we get comfortable, right? And we're like, well, things aren't, things aren't bad. So it's fine. Instead of saying like, wait, there's another opportunity here and I'm really happy here, but this could be wow. better. Yeah, this is this could be even better. It's like that. Have you seen that one meme with the little girl with her teddy bear? And she's talking in and, and he's and he's like, give it to me. She's like, but I want it. And he has like this giant teddy bear. Jesus has this exactly. giant teddy bear, but I have something better for you, type of thing. I want to go back to you're talking about having this garage with your cousins and your family <laughs> and everything like that, because your fat your resource girls is truly a family business. You have your, I think your cousin, you said, did your artwork, right? Mm-hmm. She did the art. My brother was like my right hand man till this day. Um, He's my co-founder and like literally my, like, I live with my brother. Like I'm like, my brother's like my other half. My models were my, me and my cousins. The photos were taken by my brother. I made the website. Like it was super DIY home family business. <laughs> how Im- So how important is it to you that your family work with you and that they get to share in the success of what's happening with Risos Girls? Yeah, I mean, I'm 
very close to my family. And I don't know, I can't imagine like not talking to my parents every day. Like I can't, I just, I can't imagine not being around them all the time. Like, I don't know. I like that. I like being around them. And I, uh, I get it. My, I talk to my mom so much that oh, okay. she constantly <laughs> butt dials me and I'm like, did you mean to call me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think sometimes like people don't have a parent situation that is positive, but I was very, very, I'm, it's probably what I'm most grateful for is that I have an amazing family and I'm just so happy that I do have parents that I really like and I love being around them. And it's the best feeling like having loving and genuinely loving and wanting to be around your parents. And I feel bad when other people don't have that, you know? Yeah. Cause it really sucks. No, I mean, I get it. I was, I lived in Dallas for 15 years and my parents are here in California and it's sometimes hard. I went almost two years one time, not being able to come home. That was, was that was rough, but now they're in Orange County. I'm in San Diego and I can see them whenever I want. I'm far yeah. enough away that they can't just drop by unannounced. Yeah. <laughs> but You're like, you enough. have like a perfect boundary. <laughs> yes. And it was, and I'm close enough that when my mom was going through chemo for breast cancer and everything, I could drive up and help. Like every yeah. other week we were taking turns of me and my sisters taking turns of being with her. So close enough for that to help out. Something happens. My mom calls. I can go immediately. But far yeah. enough away where I'm like, you don't want to come by. Well, if I'm not home, I'm not down the street. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Do you remember what the first OMG moment is? Because you've grown. You started on your website, which is where I found, I actually found you through Instagram. And I don't even know how, I think it was, I don't know if it was an app. I honestly have no idea. I don't know if somebody else had posted it. It's been a few years now, wow. but I found you on Instagram and I was like, oh my gosh, there's a Latina who has curly hair products. Like that was instantly what drew me in. Yeah. I ordered online. I've ordered online multiple times, but that was the first time like I ordered online, but now you're in Target, you're in Ulta, you're in Sally Beauty Supply. Like you are freaking just blowing up. By the way, all the Ultas in San Diego have sold out of Rizos. Because I went with my mom. I'm like, oh, look at, I'm going to interview her. And I needed more ref to refresh and detangle spray. And they were like, oh, we're out. <laughs> what, what store was that at? All of the Ultas in San Diego are sold out. I love seeing your face. I love getting to tell you that. Yeah, I think that was probably one of my wow moments was the Ulta launch. Because, wow, like it was just so surreal. Like how much support and how much, how fast things were selling at Ulta. And um, also we, we like went viral on TikTok that, during that time. And it was just was like when you had the mariachi band, right? When you went in the horse. Yeah. I rode up to Ulta on a horse. That was um, freaking rad. <laughs> and it was just like, I just wanted to like, to, we were like, why did you do that? And I was like, I don't know. I just felt like it. And like they were like, Oh, they let you do that. I'm like, I don't ever ask for permission. I just do things, but it was just like, I just, I love horses. And I was like, I would love to ride up on a horse. And yeah, no, Ulta was just such a really cool launch and it still feels surreal, honestly. So let me tell you, Ulta sponsors the podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. They sponsor this podcast. And one of the reasons that I said yes is because they sell Rizos Curls. Oh, <laughs> 
And then they launched with Becky G's line. Yes, Luce. I love Tres Luce. So I was like, all right, I spend my money there and they're going to pay me. All right, it's on. <laughs> I actually literally was just using their her, her palette. Like, you know, I was like, I have it here in my office whenever I need to do my makeup. <laughs> yes. And I think it's so important. I actually just saw you on Target commercial earlier today. My boyfriend was here and I'm like, oh, that's who I'm interviewing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so you're a celebrity in my house. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a lot of people, not just me. Um, but I love seeing your face when I told you that they told me there's no more Uriso's curls in any of the San Diego Ultas because they looked for me. And they're like, oh, they're not anywhere. They're sold out in all of our stores. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, that was crazy. We we sold out with, with Ulta. I think we sold out within like two days or something. Like it was like something crazy the day that we launched. It was like two days, a day or two later, we were sold out completely. We we're just like, and because of your work with Nestle, I'm sure that helped you in regards to, I mean, I know obviously you have lawyers or people that have to help like yeah. do the actual stuff, but I'm sure that gave you so much more of an understanding because you've done it on the other end and yeah, everything. A hundred percent. Like how you mentioned in the beginning of the interview, how every role that I've had in my life really prepared me for this role now without even realizing it. And that's so true. You know, so, like- it's crazy. Yeah. Being so being a Latina founder and going into these very large spaces, retail spaces, has there ever been a time where somebody's been like, mm, no, or mm, or you felt like if you were a white male or a white female, the answer would have been different? Yeah, I think in the beginning, when I first was trying to get into retail and like interviewing and taking meetings with like some of these retailers. There was a lot, a few times when they just like did not understand the industry. They did not understand like Latinos and like, they just like would say like, there was a, there was a meeting that I literally walked out of and I was just like, never ever because the person was like, oh, um, you're is can you make like a, a lower quality, like cheaper version of your product? Because Latinos, they don't care about natural ingredients. What they care about is coupons. And I what? was like, what? Like you literally don't understand. Like you don't. Obviously they weren't Latino. Yeah. And it was like all white people. And it was just like me. And so I was just like, oh my God, like I'm not even, can you please send me the data that supports this? Because Nielsen data like completely contradicts what you're saying and and we're the most brand loyal of 100% every ethnicity everything yeah I remember back then it was like the Latinas 2.0 Nielsen report that you know was like you know around at that time when I was going to those meetings and that report literally showed that the beauty industry as a whole would have been negative had it not been for Latina and their buying power. Like, it's just crazy how big of a buying force we are in this country. And the fact that like, they weren't able to see it just kind of solidified that I didn't want to be associated with them anyways. Well, I'm so glad you walked away from that. Every time I hear stuff like that, I get so like, I feel my body getting hot. Cause I just like, why, why? Uh, Really, what I comes to my mind, I'm like, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> like, who are you? 
to tell me because I had this in a different situation at work where we had created, you know, working in politics, it's really like helping people. You want to meet people where they are, right? And especially within black and brown communities, people don't necessarily know how politics works, how policies are made. We created a TikTok with our chief of policy who happens to be a younger younger white girl, but she's so freaking smart. Oh my gosh, it's amazing how smart she is. I just look at her and go, I can just deliver the message. I don't know what you're thinking. And there was a majority of people who were very, very supportive. And then you had those few people and I looked them all up and they were all middle-aged white people that were like, oh my gosh, this is so ridiculous. Oh my gosh, I already knew this. What did you learn from it and why? And I'm like, just because you, okay, show your privilege by saying, you know it. So nobody else should get the opportunity to know it. And people shouldn't get a fun way to be able to get to know this information. So the privilege that people show is always just amazes me. And then they think they're being helpful. And you're like, no, nah, boo, sit down. <laughs> Definitely. Where do you want to go next? Like where you, you like I said, you're in Target, you're in Ulta. Well, you're not in Ulta in San Diego because I can't find you, so I have to go to Target. Oh my God, you would have to, literally, I think now with well, a surprise, we are launching into more Ulta. So we're now going to be in over 500 Ultas and we're launching four new products, our four new products into Ulta next month. No, not even next month, next week. Oh my so, gosh. So by yeah, the time this have, comes out, that'll be launched. Yeah. So we're going to have like our oil, our scalp scrub and our hair mask into over 500 Ulta stores next week. So hopefully you'll be able to find us more and at Ulta. And um, also they're going to, they have like a store locator where you can make sure to check if things are sold out or not. But I'm really excited to be able to grow more at Ulta. That's so exciting. Congratulations. That's so cool. I know I keep seeing like all of the new products and I haven't gotten them yet. If you connect with Lizette so that she can send them to you. Okay. Yeah. Lizette was on the podcast a couple, oh, like a She's seriously so amazing. Every time I see her stuff, she just inspires me. And I'm like, damn, okay, I got to do some, I got to do something. <laughs> I told her my goal one day is to have her be like, I know I make it when I can hire Lisette to do my PR. And I work in PR, but when I can't do it for myself, I'm just like, when I do do anything for myself, I'm like, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> So do you still have moments like as an entrepreneur, what are your moments of, I know you said you've like played all these parts as Julissa in your own life, but now doing this growing as quickly as you're growing, where are the moments when you're just like, where you feel like you have to breathe that brings fear into like all of the craziness that's surrounding you? Oh, all the time. I think there's like so many moments where I'm just like, overwhelmed or I'll just feel like I like this is beyond my scope of (laughs) knowledge like I'm just like I don't even know where to start but I think something really nice about you know having my brother you know in on this journey with me is that you know we're balanced each other out so much and he's always been so confident like he's just like such a confident person And, and as my older brother he just like 
so good at like almost like guiding me and like whenever I'm kind of like feeling like I don't know what I'm doing he's so good at kind of like getting me back up so I think like having somebody in your corner whether it's someone that you work with or maybe like it's a family member or you know someone that you're in a relationship with or somebody I think having those people around you that know you that you know know your vision is so important because really like in a lot of those moments where you're just like really struggling, they're the ones that are there to kind of help you um, get out of it and vice versa. You know, you kind of are that for each other. So I'm definitely really grateful to have him as my co-founder. You're right. You have to have somebody there. Sometimes I think it's hard to walk alone. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 a hard line to walk. Like I said, for me, and I just want to share this with you because for me, Rizos Curls has really helped my confidence, my curl confidence, if I must. Because like I said, growing up, there wasn't curly hair specialists. There wasn't anything. I would constantly ask my mom, I don't even know how many things she used in my hair to straighten it. Nothing ever worked long-term. I was made fun of. And I feel like when you're younger, at least for me, and I think that that becomes some sort of trauma, right? It becomes internalized trauma because you never feel like you're good enough. And for me, it was part part of that was because of my hair. And it just carried on for years and years where I think you don't even realize that that's why you don't feel good enough because of all these things that have happened. And it's not everything, but it is part of it. It's part of that journey. So for me, finding something, because I did use a different product before. And I was already noticing like, it just wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. My hair was still frizzing. It's still like, it just wasn't. So for me finding Grisos curls, even at the age that I am, right. When this probably been like three, four years now that I've been using it was really a game changer because when I was in Dallas, I was straightening my hair because of the humidity and my curls were so getting really loose. And then I went blonde. So then all of that damage that comes with being blonde. And when I moved back to California, I was like, okay, I'm going to start letting my hair just without the, the different weather I was able to start letting it and then using Grisos curls. And it sounds so silly being in your forties going, oh, finally, there's something for my hair. Finally, I can feel confident in my hair, but that's what the case was for me. So first of all, I want to say thank you for that. Uh, no, thank you. It's uh, I'm honored that we were able to, you know, play any role in that journey. So where I'm very grateful. Second, how many times do you hear that? And how does that make you feel? Uh, yeah, no, it's crazy because till this day, the majority of our customers are people who have never worn their hair natural before. We're just like never content with their hair and are like finally like loving and embracing their hair with our with the help of our products and it's just like I'm just honored 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 and it's just like such a surreal moment every time I hear these testimonials it's just like I'm just honored to be able to be there and them trust me with their hair I mean there's gonna obviously there's thousands and thousands millions I don't know I don't know how many people buy your products but there's probably so many people that feel the same way and they don't get to tell you, right. They don't get to tell you, I get to tell you kind of face to face where I'm yeah. <laughs> that. but I think so many people, one thing that I truly still 
admire about Resource Girls is you do a lot of the things yourself in regards to like your marketing stuff, your funny videos. You did your legally blonde, your take on oh, legally yeah, blonde. You did your. I definitely try to have fun with everything. I'm always like, what fantasy do I want to fulfill of me being uh, Reese Witherspoon from Legally Blonde? Okay, I want to be Elle Woods. Like, let me do this skit. So I definitely try to have fun. <laughs> you did that for the Target launch, right? Mm-hmm. Girl, I don't even remember how I remember some of this stuff. <laughs> you have a good memory. <laughs> and now you have another one. I gave you the idea, the undercover curly one. Yeah, I'll have to do that. <laughs> I know we're running out of time, so I want to make sure I'm being respectful of your time. But what do you feel or what do you want your legacy to be? Not just with Rizos Curls, but you, Julisa Prado, as a person. Just being happy and and finding your happiness and not being afraid to like go after it and being unapologetic about living your truth and going after what you love, you know? And I think that whatever that looks like for each person, I think that I, I want to try to like, for the rest of my life, live my life in a way that's authentic to me and I'm living in my truth and finding fun and, and doing things that I love and I enjoy and trying to leave the world a little better than whatever I found it in. I think that's, that's what I would, I want to continue doing for the rest of my life. <laughs> and I know I've asked a lot of questions and we go all over the place, but if there's anything else that you want to add, I want to make sure I give you that moment to do so, the opportunity to do so. Um, I think that's it. Just like, you know, our ultra launch, I'm super excited about next month. I mean, next week. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about that. <laughs> and the website is resourcecurls.com. And then everything on social media is at resourcecurls, right? Yes, ma'am. Julissa, thank you so much. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to me, to bearing with my, like I said, my inner Yorona to hear. Um, but I, I really appreciate it. Like I said, it, I know I'm not the first and I won't be the last to, to say thank you because you know, our hair is such a big part of who we are. Oftentimes people say, tell me, and I'm sure they tell you, oh, I knew it was you. I saw you from behind. I recognize your hair. <laughs> yes. So I just want to say thank you so, so much. And until next time, mi gente. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast. For more information on today's guest, please see the show notes for links to websites and social media channels. You can check out all things Wine and Chisme on our website, thewineandchismepodcast.com. There, you will find the names of wines I drink each episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media at The Wine and Chisme on Instagram and at The Wine and Chisme Podcast on Facebook. Remember, if you want to hear more wine and chisme, please subscribe, rate, and review. Five-star ratings are appreciated and those positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, saludos.